how would you like to be part of the show? Go to untappedkeg.com slash community and leave an affirmation that is resonating with you right now. Be something you use a lot, something that's new, but there's a spot where you can record your affirmation and it will be used at the beginning of episodes. You can do this totally anonymously. And if you don't feel comfortable recording your voice, you can leave a comment and I will read it for you. Untappedkeg.com slash community. I would love to connect with you. Here's this week's affirmation. The main thing I tell myself is that no matter how difficult things may be in the moment, no matter how overwhelmed I might be feeling, is that as long as I make the next right choice, right? The next right choice over the next five minutes or 10 minutes or an hour, then I'm going to be okay. Because oftentimes I find that, you know, if I allow myself to start ruminating on things that might happen later on today or tomorrow or the next day or next week or next month, then things become so overwhelming and that just seems like it's too much to handle. And that's when my addictive brain wants to really try to take over, right? So if I just stay in the moment, tell myself, just get through the next five minutes, make the next right choice, and I continue to do that over the course of a day and I make it through that day, chances are I'm going to be just fine. You guys have a blessed day. I can see it now slowly that the tide is shifting, especially amongst the younger generation where they see the generational trauma and like, we don't want any more of this. Okay. I'm going to go into therapy, even if you're not going into therapy <laughs> sort of situation. Yeah. <laughs> so it is shifting. And I'm not, I hesitate to call this uh, Islamic culture or Muslim culture, because that's now how it is when you look at, look back into our Muslim tradition, our prophet peace be upon and upon him heavily like uh put emphasis on empathy well-being of individuals well-being of the the collective and not just in like the physical sense but in the well well being mental well-being that you be kinder to one another be kinder to um yourselves as a whole at a time when these things were not spoken about when like People. Sobriety is scary. That's why Untapped Keg explores different perspectives of sobriety and mental health so that you know you are not alone. Hopefully, you can find something you can implement into your own life. Sobriety and mental health are topics that often are uncomfortable and complex. We do not shy away from any conversation. But you should know we try to be respectful. But there's always room to learn and grow. Everyone is welcome here, as you are, and you will be respected. We are not medical professionals and do not give medical advice. Please seek medical care if you need it. Now let's get to the show. Hey, you. Thank you for tapping into some untapped keg podcast where we look at different perspectives of sobriety and mental health so that you can take something, put it into your own life. Because here we believe there's only one way to sobriety. And that way is the way that works for you. I am one. I'm RJ Zimmerman. I'm used to saying one of your hosts, but no, I'm the only host now, RJ Zimmerman. Uh, and I have the pleasure of being here with 
Shayla Fazy, uh, the pot host of the podcast, I'm a Muslim, and that's okay. How are you doing today, Shayla? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me here, RJ. And it's like, this is our our podcast episode exchange. I interview you, you interview me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, it was one of those things too. So we met at Podcast Movement in August and you're the first person that I met there. And it's like, mm-hmm. um, we just started talking and it was just, hey, you know, I'd love to talk about uh, sobriety and, you know, uh, from a spiritual perspective. And you said talking about men and emotions and yeah. Uh, I've, since we've talked, I've, I've made some progress in that realm too. It's like, I thought I was feeling my emotions. I, I wasn't yet, but I was making mm. progress. Yeah. <laughs> Slow and steady steps, steps, RJ. That's how it works. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely does. So, um, Shayla, why don't you give us a little bit of a background of your podcast and where people can find it? Well, thank you. Um, well, for my podcast, it's basically, you know, when, especially for Muslims, we've always had this certain narrative in popular media about us and not all of it was was good. I think the purpose of my podcast was just to show the human side of us. You know, I started my podcast and I tell the story to everybody that my first three episodes were dedicated to me having a ridiculous amount of pets. And you can hear my parrot in the background, but that's the thing. It's not one of those things that people envision when they think about Muslims. It's like, oh, you have four cats and this many fish and that this many birds. But, you know, that's us. We have different human experiences and different human stories. We're not all the same. So that's how it started. And it slowly progressed into me bringing in guests who are Muslims who do unusual things. And also I had RJ on and last time I checked, he wasn't Muslim. But <laughs> the the thing is, I brought you in because you had a perspective that people needed to hear about, about the importance of emotional wellness, particularly for men. It's one of those things that's not just taboo amongst Muslim, but men in general. They just don't work on those things because they don't know how. And then that's what why I had you on. And I have other guests on that bring in these perspectives that are important for people to hear. Absolutely. And that's that's something that I appreciated was, you know, it wasn't, you know, what talking about like uh anything in particular it was just like straight up emotions like where Mm. did it come from why did you know how did you get to that point it's like it's been a year years long process and this is just it's now coming to a point where it's starting to go from surf like under the surface to Mm -hmm. out and it's like it's that's something that like you said we have a shared humanity that we forget about very easily like it's Mm -hmm. it's just sewn into everything that we see and experience right now is that we forget how connected we really are that's right and that's the thing that's the important part of it the fact that we're different shouldn't make us forget that we are still people humans our basic functionality like if you talked about in computer terms it's the same it's like maybe the external is different if you like talked about a laptop or a pc or you know android mac all of those things um there are some differences but the basic functionality of all of us is the same we all require love understanding 
um, growth, if you're stagnant, you'll never be a complete person. I, I personally believe that, that stagnation is one of the worst things that can, that person can do for themselves. If you're not growing, you're not discovering not just the world itself, but parts of you that you should be figuring out. And you feel, this is me talking from personal experience. You mm-hmm. feel this longing, like, is this yeah. all life is? Is this all that I have yeah. going on? What yeah. that was, you know, it was me on the inside calling out like, hey, I'm right here. You know, right. I'm, I'm, I need attention. And right. I didn't know it until, and I didn't even have the words to process that until I did, I wouldn't even say research, but I just, I wanted knowledge. Right. And so that has, is what has brought me to you to come on here (laughs) is to talk about different cultures and spirituality in terms Mm -hmm. of sobriety and things, because sometimes we hear about it. Sometimes, you know, it's just kind of like, on the surface and then right. we it, we just skip over it when we hear right. something but i want to talk about it from a perspective of you know you don't drink and the reason you don't drink is because of your religion and your right. spirituality and like that's that's different from why i don't drink mm-hmm. and so getting these different perspectives will help people i think find new tools to help right. them right well, the thing is that, again, um, most people know that Muslims don't drink and we also don't partake in any uh, recreational drugs, per se. Uh, you know, you have different opinions about tobacco and cigarette smoking, but it's generally frowned upon it, upon as well. The The thing is, um, in in our scripture, the reason for the prohibition for alcohol um is that and it's clearly written that the there is some benefit to it but the disadvantage of it is greater than the actual advantage of it at that time when it was revealed um the the disadvantage of it was not fully known other than the fact that you got drunk and you know you could potentially cause harm to your spouse or those that were in your those were the only like like clear disadvantages that people knew about alcohol, but they still partook in it because again, it was culture. It was heavily embedded in Arab culture to be drinking. And the other thing that most people might not know is that for us, the prohibition of alcohol when it was first revealed was not an immediate prohibition because again, uh, getting rid of something that is so deeply embedded in culture is not easy. It came over a 10-year period because, again, those that had an addiction to alcohol, again, you most people can't go cold turkey. It's not mm-hmm. how that works. It's a huge struggle to be able to let go of alcohol, something you are addicted to, something you are dependent upon for a lot of emotional regulation. It's not healthy, but it's there. Um, so that's why it came over a period of 10 years. First was the initial dislike of alcohol. And then there was, you know, eventual that it's a disadvantage. And then the eventual prohibition co- completely of alcohol. But even then, if you look into our uh, tradition, traditions of when the prophet and his companions, there were many of his companions, righteous people who struggled with alcoholism. 
that was there because again, um, it's easy to judge people when you're at a distance, when you're not the one going through it, when you haven't um, suffered the impacts of an alcohol addiction to be like, oh, you know, how can you not, how can you be drinking? You're a Muslim, that sort of thing. Those were the sort of the, the things that those companions had to hear. But our prophet, peace be upon him, was always like, no, this is a struggle. And they are loved for the fact that they are struggling with this. It doesn't make them any less righteous. But again, the truth is, it's a struggle. So that is where, you know, sort of the tradition comes from. And in our it's in our scripture as well. Um, the fact is, at that time, the totality of the disadvantages of, you know, um, alcohol or drugs was not known because science was not there the the prohibition was there and then when we are here right now we know that yeah alcohol in a certain amount has some advantages but if you have a i guess a genetic tendency to addiction or or, or a culture of drinking it can spiral badly very quickly so, you know, that's why we avoid it. But I will tell you this as well, coming from somebody somebody who's lived in a Muslim country, it's the 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 consumption of alcohol is always there. Okay. I'm not gonna lie about this. That's not how I work. Um, but again, it's under what circumstances, and you can always see the two extremes that ex- it exists in. I grew up in Pakistan. I saw it in the fact that, and this is true story, every year you always had a news article in one of the major newspapers that like 30 to 100 people have died of alcohol poisoning by drinking moonshine. It was always there. But, you know, it was never really spoken about because, you know, you always had the 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 um, the cultural thing that you shouldn't be drinking, but it's there. And again, uh, we as people need to be kinder when it comes to having um, people who are struggling with a lot of things. It's not just alcohol they're struggling with. That's again, if I had to put it in any way, the struggle with alcohol is just a symptom of the disease. The disease is usually much deeper. Yes. Either you can call it um, extreme poverty is one of those things that leads to alcoholism because mm-hmm. You know, you're so freaking poor, especially in a developing country like Pakistan. You're living well below the poverty line for a lot of people. So alcohol is one of those recreate alcohol and even some drugs are one of those things that you're just trying to escape that. You're trying to escape the misery of that. Mm -hmm. And again, and then when you have alcohol as something that numbs a lot of bad circumstances you're under, bad emotions, all of these things, it's a symptom. Of, a, of an underlying disease. I, I firmly believe that. I completely agree. And when I first went sober, I didn't know. And, it, you know, it was a lot of ignorance, but it's like now after talking with so many people, reading books, like, like I said, gaining the knowledge, it's like, it really is a symptom of something larger. What is right. it that you are trying to enhance or escape from or numb and what are you trying to gain from it? So like, I really drilled down not very long ago and 
I had a lot of external goals that mm. I wanted to hit. Okay. What did I want from those external goals? Right. So when I started drinking, it was acceptance. I wanted acceptance. Right. Well, right. why did I want acceptance? Because mm. I didn't accept myself. Right. And it's like, yes, that sounds like, you know, this like really top level, like, are you going into like Buddhism or, you know, what's going <laughs> on here? But that is the truth. Like I had this hole in my heart that I cannot remember not having. It was right, always right. there. Right. And it never went away even when I quit drinking. Mm. And then I realized that I was about to put my kids in that hole. And it was like, mm. wait, not a single thing that I thought would help plug this hole has. Why would I put my kids in there? Cause right. I'm about to get lost again. Right. Right. And it was in that moment that it was like, I have some work to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. So like I quit drinking, put into work, right. put it into relationship, put it into parenting. Right. You and really, the thing is, yeah, the, your journey, RJ, I, I, I find it amazing because Men, it's not just about men. Very few people want to really sit down with themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a, that's in itself in itself a, a real problem, because if you are not willing to sit down with yourself and be like, okay, I'm not okay. I don't know why, and I need to fix that. Then the problem doesn't get fixed. You may, like you said, you may have quit alcohol, but if you hadn't come to the realization that there's still other things that are missing and I, I need to fix that, then it would have been something else. It's, and here's the thing. People just think like alcohol and drugs are bad, but like, again, coming from a very Pakistani background, we don't, we may not consume alcohol, but we have, we use food as a crutch. It's our emotional c- crutch. We're yeah, emotional absolutely. eating, <laughs> we're emotional eating on every little thing. And we're, and that's the thing. We may not say, I love you, but it's like we're stuffing our kids with food. Again, this is not healthy in any way or form. <laughs> Please tell your child you love them. Don't stuff them with food. <laughs> give give them hugs stuff them with give hugs. them hugs okay they don't need that burrito <laughs> yeah and that's i it's the fact that you say that like that's absolutely like how many cultures are you don't really say i love you but you look like you're skinny here's some more food or you look food. like you're hungry here's some more yeah. food that's like every single culture we have that right. and it's right. you have that you have that that grandma, that auntie, that Mm -hmm. here's some food. And, you know, I did, it wasn't just straight food for me. It was sugar, like, especially the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I just, I can, and that, you know, there's a known correlation between giving up alcohol and getting a sweet tooth because alcohol has so much sugar in it. Your body's still craving that sugar, but I've never had a drop of alcohol, RJ. I'm still addicted to sugar. Okay. Because sugar in itself gives you a high, Mm -hmm. whether people like to think about it or not, it, it does give you a high. And some research has said that it's as addictive as cocaine. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to then once you're into it, to really back yourself out of it. And what I've found, well, what I've since learned too. So I've diagnosed with ADHD uh, Mm. about three years ago. Like that sugar 
if I'm not medicated correctly, like helps to balance me out a little bit. So it's my yeah. brain searching for that extra dopamine that it needs. Dopamine, yeah. And um, so that has helped. But like these past like three months, when I've had this clarity, like this sense of peace, it's not mm. really tranquility, but like this contentness that I have. Right. I have not, like, I have all these sweets that, in the house and they're two months old. And it's like, that would have never happened. Yay, it's like, great. I don't know what's going on. Drinking more water, like no Yay. soda. It's like, what is, but it's just taking the self inventory every right. once in a while. Right. And having words to be able to not just describe what I'm feeling, but like understand right. the self-compassion right. that comes from that. Yes, I'm right. using a lot of words that are like, you know, <laughs> pe people are just like rolling their eyes. But it's like it's it is true when you can look at yourself with compassion and be like, mm. you didn't know anything right, any better, anything else. Right. So all you can do is change today and try to be better tomorrow. And that's it. It's about the trying. It's not about it's the doing. And here's the thing: the important part about this, um, again, like I said. Like for us, when, when the, when for us, the alcohol prohibition first came out, like this is 1400 years ago, it was not about, you know, you have to be good right now. You have to give it up right now. The struggle is there. When we're struggling with something like this, there will be bad days. There will be days when you're not doing okay for any number of reasons. Oh, yes. So you will fall into old habits but the 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 important part about that is is that you realize that that was that moment and you can still pick yourself up from there and keep trying so mm. it's never it's never like a dead end if you like again if you had a setback and you drank one day right it's not the end of the world you can still try again the next day and I'm not saying it's easy because going back on something that you depended on, if I had to say for myself, like sugar, like if I'm having a real bad day, if I went back to a tub of ice cream or for me, it's bread, like copious amounts of bread. I have, I have a carb addiction. Okay. A ridiculous I, amount of bread, hey, potatoes, listen, and things pizzas. that are delicious are the <laughs> toughest I to know, give right? up. All right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that's the thing. If I went back and binge ate any of those things, it's not, doesn't mean that I have failed. It's just yeah. that this day, this week, this month has been hard. And you have to give yourself that space because life is hard. It doesn't matter how good anybody looks on the outside or on social media. Life is hard for so many different reasons for so for everybody. So give yourself some compassion and give cut the other person a break too. Absolutely. I it's in the thing is like if if you look at your friends and you say, you know, hey, you're going through a really hard time right now. Like, yeah, mm. I understand. But you look at yourself and you say, all right, buck up. Why are you even feeling this? Like yeah. that's that is a time to realize that you are not being not just unfair to yourself, but you're causing yourself to like stay in a cycle that that's right is not going right. to be broken. And that's something that took me it took me a long time to see. And if it wasn't for me completely moving across the country 
staying at home taking care of the kids for eight months, I don't know if I would be where I am today. Right. A lot of that has to do because, uh, you know, past RJ, who did not like himself, made a lot of good decisions when it came to finances and right. other other areas of life. But when it came to being nice to RJ, mm. this is this is new to a point where sometimes it feels selfish. Sometimes it feels arrogant, but it's it's not. It's and not. The There's thing. a difference. It's- it depends on where it comes from. Mm-hmm. That's what most people don't understand. I think, um, I don't know about you, but like coming from my background, my traditional background, um, you were told that you shouldn't be arrogant about yourself. You shouldn't say nice things about yourself because it'll make the other person feel bad. Yep. Um, but here's the thing. What's the intention behind that? If you're you're proud of something you have done. It could be anything. Um, you're proud of your podcast. Why are you proud of your podcast? You're proud of your podcast. If I had to put put it for me, I'm proud of my podcast because it's something I never thought I'd be able to do. I hated, you know, having being on camera, having my voice out there ever since I was a little kid. But now that I've done it, I'm proud of myself. That it was something that I never thought it could do. And I have other people who appreciate it. If I say that I'm proud of my podcast because I want to make the other person feel bad, then you got a problem. It's all about where those good feelings about yourself come from. If it is to validate your existence, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. If you were doing it just so you can show up another person, then there's a problem. Absolutely. And that's, and sometimes too, because we were taught that mm-hmm. when we have emotions that make p- other people uncomfortable, we feel shame behind those emotions Yo, because yeah, we're yeah. making somebody else feel uncomfortable. But it's like, that's not on us. It's yeah. not on us. Like, we do that so much to little children, especially little yes, boys. I was just going like, to bring that up. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous that people have sadness is a valid emotion. Okay. Um, when you're sad, you cry, you're not expecting the other person to comfort you, but as we as social creatures should be able to do that for one another, that when the other person is feeling sad, you help them through it. But if you're just going to stand back and be like, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that you're crying just because you have the inability to soothe that person. And it's not even about active soothing. You can just be there hug the person. It's not that hard to just hold that person in that time and space, even in silence, is a form of comforting. But how bad are we that we can't even do that for our children? We just like, you should stop crying right now. I'll give you something to cry about. It's terrible. It really is. So I actually, so my oldest will sometimes call me mean and tell tell me I'm the meanest (laughs) daddy. And this week I was, <laughs> it's funny because of what I've been saying, but I've been listening to some Buddhist podcasts about, mm. you know, finding yourself and kind of like right. self inventory and stuff. And so I said, I'm grateful that that's what you think mean is. Yeah. And he stopped and he looked at me and he goes, <laughs> what is grateful? And so I explained right. it to him. And I, But when I said that, it also like reset my patience because I'm right. like, 
he was, I was the meanest because we were at the park for an hour and a half and we have to go home and eat. Right. That's why I was the meanest. And it's like, that's okay for him to feel like just because it, it makes me feel some sort of way a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. It's like, okay. So I said, I'm grateful that that's what you think mean is. Right. And like, I've done it three or four times. And every time it's, it resets my patience to a level that if that's what you think mean is, I'm doing a damn good job. And that's so great. There's something to be said about that. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, when, when we talk about like, leaning into this and allowing mm. yourself to feel and everything like a lot of that has to do with you know mental health as well like because when we talk about mental health and it's been associated with weakness for so long mm. and really that's you know sobriety and you know substance use and dependency right. and everything it comes a lot of it comes from the where our brains are at and how we right. A, a coping strategy that gets right. out of control. Right. Um, when it comes to, you know, the Muslim culture, like where, mm-hmm. where would mental health kind of be um, as far as it, is it talked about a lot? Is it under the rug? I mean, I wish, so here's the thing, um, RJ. And um, for every, I can't speak for all Muslim cultures. Mm-hmm. I can only speak for like from a Pakistani South Indian uh, cultural uh, background. Okay. Um, the fact is that we were a region that was heavily colonized. Okay. For several hundred years, we were heavily colonized. And that had a huge impact about when it came to how we existed and saw ourselves. And the other thing is, is that because of a, a lot of cultural history with, again, colonization, uh, independence, the separation of India to India and Pakistan, and uh, poverty, it has brought in with it a certain, a certain culture where there is um, scarcity mindset, and the fact that because we're so close to that era where you could potentially not have a life expectancy of more than 50. We were very close to that. It's only recently that there is a longevity in our, um, I guess, in our lineage that people are living longer, that sort of thing. It has impacted in how we see the importance of mental health. The fact is that Hey, you've lived to ripe old age of 70. That's fantastic. You should be grateful for that sort of situation. Um, So we are, especially the previous generation, has been hell-bent on just surviving and existing as independent entities. So physical well-being took high precedence over mental well-being. But I can see it now slowly that the tide is shifting especially amongst the younger generation where they see the generational trauma and like, we don't want any more of this. Okay. I'm going to go into therapy, even if you're not going into therapy <laughs> sort of situation. Yeah. <laughs> so it is shifting. And I'm not, I hesitate to call this uh, Islamic culture or Muslim culture, because that's now how it is. When you look at, look back into our Muslim tradition, our prophet peace be upon and upon him heavily, like, uh, put emphasis on empathy, well-being of individuals, 
well-being of the the collective in not just in like the physical sense but in the well well being mental well-being that you be kinder to one another be kinder to um yourselves as a whole at a time when these things were not spoken about when like people were considered like cattle or especially yeah. those that were slaves who were women they didn't they didn't have any rights of existence basically but he came and he's like no and again people look back at slavery um at that time and it's not something that could be ab- abolished immediately just like the the whole addiction to alcohol it couldn't be abolished immediately but the fact is he gave great emphasis on you know if you uh, like if you want to earn good for yourself, you free a slave. Or if you couldn't free uh, free the slave, you had to treat them as you would treat your own. You could not be be uh, like you couldn't treat them, mistreat them. That you sat and you ate with them, you showed them kindness, compassion, all of these things. It for us traditionally, we have we have to have kindness empathy as a default for others and for ourselves and in that we have um a tradition and uh again i forget the arabic term for it but it's basically a heavy a tradition of introspection and then correcting what is what is missing within us so we are encouraged to sit down and that's basically what our prayers are five times a day you sit down you you leave everything you are required to leave everything and then sit in one place stand and sit in one place and you have to forget everything else the i mean if like barring any emergency you are not supposed to move from that space just so you have that quiet time where all you're doing is speaking to God himself. That time where you can reset because life is hard. Life is crazy. Life is chaotic. But even if you have that five minutes where you can like, I'm going to shut everything off. I'm just here. Because that's what we forget that in our daily everyday thing, we're like, we got a meeting to go to, kids to pick up, dinner to make, da, 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 like 10,000 things. Yeah. We forget that we need that time to reset. How many of us do that? If, if it wasn't for like in our tradition that we had to pray, we wouldn't be doing it either because we like so many different things that have to happen in a singular day. But that's the purpose of the prayer that you sit down and you're speaking to God and you're taking when after the main prayer is done and you pray to God, your personal prayer about what you would wish in your life, you're taking stock basically of what your life is right now and what's going wrong. And you're praying that he will send you guidance to fix that. And that's the the form of introspection we need to have is that there's something wrong. How do I fix it? Or how do I figure out a way to fix that? That's, it's really interesting to hear because when my brother-in-law was on the podcast, he'd talk about taking a holistic approach and, Mm -hmm. you know, it'd be 
you know, your brain, your body and your spirit and like your mm. spiritualness. And I've been, I've been so honestly against religion period. It didn't matter mm. what religion, any religion yeah, for yeah. so long that I've ignored that spiritual side. Right. And I've recently really started to re to connect and find it because, right. and I found it in nature and it's, oh, yeah. you know, and having that, time that really that prayer that's a form of meditation and just with right. yourself and right. that connection that spiritual connection that's it's more important than we realize and then we have it mm -hmm. and we're like i like this but then we get back into our lives and we're like we stop right. making time for it and right um you know i'll just uh there's a, a botanical garden that's like five six minutes down the road I'll just go there and I'll walk for two hours and oh, yeah. then I'll pick, you know, I'll have my boys and it's like, you know what? We're going to go to the botanical garden. We're just going to walk around. I call it a nature right. walk with them and they love it. Right. So then I just get to walk and it's the same thing. Like they get to run around and play. And as long as they're not picking at plants, they can basically <laughs> do whatever they want. Right. And, uh, I've the, the patience that you find with yourself when you can do that. Right. It's, we really do underrate that mm -hmm. spiritual pillar of ourselves. And it, right. it comes back to. And I'm the problem reading, is RJ. Yep. It's, it's not about, it could be any faith. The fact is the yep. reason why we have so many different kinds of faith is because of this universal fact that, and again, I can only speak from a Muslim perspective. We are connected. That's what I was going to say. Some yes. spiritual entity. You can call it God, the universe, or any sort of thing. We know within our very instincts that we are. But the fact is that people following the religion are terrible. Okay. <laughs> it's like, that's the one of the things that drives people away from a very instinct that we have that there's something more than our physical existence that draws us and we need to connect to it no matter which way we do it, but we do need to connect to it in order to be authentically who we are. And that's what it's all about. That's mm -hmm. what, when you are authentically yourself, like, mm -hmm. And you don't have to think anymore. What do what do I have to do in this situation? What like and you may not even be consciously thinking about it, but subconsciously. And then the amount of energy that we waste doing that instead of just being ourselves is oh yeah, yeah. It's you can save yourself so much energy, and oh yeah, you don't even realize it. And that's what I was going to mm -hmm. say. I, you know, I'm reading a lot of Brene Brown, and what it really comes that back to is that word connection, and you. That was perfect explanation of it because it's it's so true. It's the the connection that we yearn for, not just with anything else, but with ourselves. Right. Um, and you know, that's why I made the move from Wisconsin to Virginia was because I felt like I was in a box right. and I was not gonna be able to get out of that box there. I just wasn't. And it, it might've been a me thing. It might've been an RJ thing. That's okay. But I recognized a need to change environments. Right. You may not have to do something so drastic, but yeah, I think 
seeking knowledge really is the start. What, oh. you know, what, what trying to find things like you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So let's try to learn what I don't know and see if I'm interested in it. And that's the thing. I think we don't understand the significance of wanting to learn more. As I'd mentioned before, it's it's not just that you get external information. With that external information, you then realize other part of yourselves that you didn't know of before. That's I think if there was a driving force for you to find out more, that would be the key driving force that you found out more about yourself. And I mean, for anybody out there, it's not going to be all like butterflies and roses. Oh, no. You will find some really ugly parts of yourself. But the fact is, if you don't fix that, it's never going to go away. You have to want to fix that to be the better person. To be your best you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I have a saying and people have heard it before. And anytime I can bring it out, I bring it back. Um, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel about swear words? First off, we that's good? Okay. I don't okay. Know. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it's not, you know, it is all rainbows and unicorns, but sometimes unicorns got shit. Oh, sometimes yeah. <laughs> that shit covers the rainbows and you got to do mm. some work to clean those rainbows off again. Right, so right. that's really, that's what. <laughs> and the, the thing is, that's, that's the thing. I, it's all comes down to emotional maturity, as we'd mentioned before, that we're stopping kids from crying. Yes. And, but the thing is, that's one of the things that we have to sort of fix that it's okay if we feel angry. And even like some like our parents, it's okay to feel angry at your parents if they did something that hurt you. It's okay to feel mad at your, I don't know, spouse, uh, sibling, whoever it is that hurt you at a certain point in time. But if you don't come face to face with that fact that you felt hurt, anger, sadness, whatever it is, that w- that's an, that what we consider as a negative emotion, I don't consider it as a it as a negative emotion, it is an emotion that's valid and that needs to be addressed. If we don't address that, then it's going to keep festering inside of us. What we don't understand is whatever we try to suppress for decades, it still exists. It doesn't yes. go away. It yes. never, ever, ever goes away. All it does is that eventually, you, as you age especially, you don't have the strength to suppress it anymore. And it comes out in all forms of ugly ways. You don't want that. You don't want to be that ugly person for your spouse, your kids, whomever are around you. They don't deserve that. And you don't deserve to hold on to ugly things inside of you. That is the truth. I'm spitting facts over here. It's, you know, you should start a podcast spitting facts with Shayla because (laughs) (laughs) that's what, that's what we're doing. And, you know, one thing that I've found, um, like these past two, three weeks, I've really been going through what I'm holding on to mm. as part of my ego. And yeah. like, you know, my friend Scotty kind of started me looking into that. And and it was through his own journey. It wasn't like he was like, hey, you need to look into this. It was a, <laughs> I, I listened to what he was going through and where mm. he's at. And so like, I started to dig into it. And I had this deep sense of self-righteousness that we don't mm. think of as a negative right. emotion, but it was right. creating 
negativity inside of me that I couldn't let mm. go. And the reason I couldn't let go of it was because of my ego that right. I thought I was, I was right to the point where, you know, um, to the point where I could not even concentrate on anything else. And mm. that's really identifying, Oh, that's kind of me putting onto somebody else, my own, my intentions, my thoughts, my feelings. Like that's not, right. It's not something like we're all, we're always going to do that to a point, but there's a point where it becomes a negative. And that was deeply right. rooted and mm-hmm. really had been my life for the past, you know, 18 months to three years of just like this self-righteousness that I had that I couldn't see past. It was blinding. It was the horse blinders and all I could see was straightforward. And it was a very narrow tunnel. Right. Um, so really just like, that self inventory that we talked about and oh yeah yeah being completely honest with yourself what what have what have i been putting an internal need onto an external goal right if i just do this you know and then mm-hmm. you know for me it was if i just drink i'll be accepted right. if i right. just stop drinking i'll stop feeling shame about myself right. if i stop or if i get this job i'll be able to you know feel a sense of accomplishment and um love and it's like none of that none of it when i got to it helped that's the thing with it's not just with when you are addicted to a substance yes could be alcohol could be anything in islamic tradition uh, we are told that this life is an illusion and in and the next world is what is what is your permanent what is your actual reality. So for us uh, as Muslims, we are supposed to view whatever is in this world as something that is impermanent, but is also a lie in a sense. What happens is as we forget that that this world is a lie, and on top of that, we are also lying to ourselves when we get these dependencies. It could be anything. It's not just alcohol. Like I said, I've had an addiction to carb. But the thing is, what's that doing? It's just telling yourself that you're okay when you're not okay. That's where it stems from. You're dependent because you're not okay, but you don't know how to deal with the not okay. Like, no, I'm okay. I'm going to eat a brownie now. That that's It's never, never a good thing. What we need to see, we re, what we really need to take stock of is the fact that, am I dependent on this? What what reason am I dependent on? What is the illusion that I've that I have taken on as truth? What's the illusion? Mm. That's what we need to take stock of. What's the illusion that we're believing is true? That is forcing us to then take on a, whatever substance it is, is that is trying to numb that reality or, or, or try to like make the illusion turn into a reality sort of situation. So that's what we need to take stock of is that at some point, everybody is lying to themselves. I don't care who you are. Yep. You're lying to yourself. What we, our constant struggle should be towards the truth, the truth about who we are and what we're doing with our lives. I love it. 
I love it. Shayla, this conversation <laughs> has been absolutely like cathartic for me and like amazing. Um, where can people keep up with you? Well, um, I'm on every uh, major uh, podcast platform. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just search out I'm a Muslim and that's okay. I'm the only one there. I'm also on YouTube. Uh, a lot of my interviews are upload onto YouTube. Again, search up I'm a Muslim and that's okay. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at I'm a Muslim podcast and you can find me my website at www.imamuslimpodcast.com. That's awesome. Fantastic. If if you had one last nugget that you would like to leave people with, what what would that be? That there is no better gift that you can give to yourself and to the people around you than being your true self. And this didn't come to me easy either. I may not have had any, like what you would call a traditional addiction to substances. But the fact is, I do come from like a lot of trauma. And if you can't be true to yourself, come face to face with what has built the hole inside of you, that hole's never going to be fixed. You got to fix that hole, be better. And the journey ain't easy. I'm sorry. I have to put that disclaimer out there. Um, just going to the therapist is one step, but what comes out from it is often very ugly, but you got to let the ugly go. You got to let it go because, and the difficult part is for a lot of people is that you've been with the ugly for so long that you, it becomes your, your safe space. That's the, the terrible part about this. Your ugly becomes your safe space. But if you want to be better, you got to let that ugly go. You got to find your light within yourself to be a better person, better mom, spouse, uh, parent, sibling, whatever it is. Um, that's the only advice I can give to anybody. Be your true self. And here's the thing. People will have always have 10 bajillion opinions. Always. It doesn't matter whether you're lying to yourself or you're truthful to yourself. But the only opinion that matters is the opinion that you have of yourself. The real opinion, not the little voice in your head that keeps telling, like saying bad things to you. That's not your real voice. You got to find your real voice. And that's the only voice and opinion that matters. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. And yeah, it's, if you can accept the negative things about yourself, guess what? You got to accept the positive too, mm -hmm. because they're both there. They're both there. They're both valid. I, I love it. So thank you for tapping into Untapped Keg podcast about different perspectives of sobriety and mental health so that you can take something and implement it into your own life because we believe there's only one right way to sobriety. That's the way that works for you. Mm -hmm. Find us Untapped Keg, all social media platforms, untappedkeg.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, go to untappedkeg.com slash community and leave an affirmation that you use. We are going to put listener affirmations at the beginning of the show. You can do so anonymously. You can read it. 
um, and you will hear your own voice on the show, you can just write it to me and say, I just want to submit this one anonymously and I'll read it out for you. Um, and you don't have to, you can join the page anonymously. You don't have to put your name out there. And it's just a bunch of people who are looking to grow. Um, and it's separate from social media so that we can um, help to curate the experience too. Uh, so everybody can feel safe. So untappedkeg.com slash community. And let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least we don't make it, we try. Mm-hmm. Have a great week, everybody. I love you. Thank you so much.